This is Joe Swick, and you're listening to Gaming NBS, episode 365, recorded on November 1st, 2021. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Sean, did he say, did we, is that an October one? Is that one on a sink? He did. Did, did he, he say, say, did he say October? He said, said October 25th. Did he really? I think he did. Did I space that out? Let me double check. <clears throat> he may have. This is Joe Swick, and you're listening to Gaming NBS, episode 365, recorded on October 25th. He sure did. He sure I did. I thought he uploaded a new one. <clears throat> well, I bet he did, and um, uh, we can. Joe will blame you. I will. Uh, I'll voice say I did upload a new one. God damn it, Sean! Yeah. You screwed me over. I'll That's voice over it. I think he actually asked me when you were going to be out, so that he could adjust it, even though it doesn't mm. have to do with this week. Ah, that's right. I will. I will. This is you're listening to gaming and BS. We recorded November second. <laughs> that's actually awesome. Yeah, hack <laughs> that in there. That's or beautiful. In this case, November first, twenty twenty one. Oh, so speaking of. Um, Kind of scheduling weirdness on the 15th, uh, unless Sean wants to do his own personal private better podcast where he actually has more fun. Um, unless he's going to do one that Monday, I'm out that week. So we'll not have an official gaming BS live show on November 15th. So that's in what, two weeks for God's sakes. Yeah, so soon. that'll throw everybody's numbers off again. Yeah. Maybe they yeah. just need to not say the date. And they would just be, the episode number. Just <laughs> the episode number and something else if they wanted to. Yeah. That'd be fine. But do we still have openings? Uh, openings. We openings. do. Okay. So, so if people you, are up for it, go for it. If you want to record an ep, uh, an intro to one of the episodes of Gaming and BS on behalf of the year of the BSer, head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash intro sign up. We'll get you to a spreadsheet. Then you could put your discord or forum handle in there or your twitter handle something that we can identify who you are and then a link to the download or you can just simply email it to us with brett's and mine's more than sporadic schedules uh in 2021 maybe just the episode number and something else i don't know easier yeah, yeah. everybody is everybody else has been kind of following the format which is okay uh, no complaints um but if you want to no, it's awesome that anybody yeah. took the time to do it so that's really great yeah so Very thanks cool. joe swick for recording that one i uh, will don't worry about it if joe if you get this and you want to record something the same i'll put it in the audio only version i could change oh, it sweet. but you got to do it in the next day or so so speaking of the year of the BSer, we have BSer Con. You're still doing that. When I say you, as in this is Sean's brainchild, organizing, <laughs> ramping it up, and so on. I have got my, um, at this point, I'm going through the calendar, dude, and I'm making sure I'm cleared. It's plenty far in advance for me, so I'm hacking stuff out so I can make sure I'm there. I've got some Avalon games I'm going to definitely run, and I may run. You know, I'm, what I may end up doing is actually just taking my full suite of three games from Gamehole Con that I didn't run there and running it for BSer Con. That's not a bad so, idea. <clears throat> yeah. Because, I mean, if nothing else, I'm 90% prepped with all those. So I'm like, hey, hey, hey l- l- let's work on my side. I, uh, I'm i going to put a, I'll put a poll out, up, out there somewhere, either through Google um, survey or, or something of that nature, and provide a link. I don't know if it'll get it into this episode notes or not, 
but I'll put it on the forums and the Discord channel and patrons to see who plans on just playing, just GMing, or both. Because there is an overwhelming, well, we're all a bunch of game masters, so there's going to be a bunch of games with no players, which I think that's a little optimistic, but we are heavy on the GM side, which the is a good problem. The first time I went to, uh, for time I went to Queen City Conquest, they ran into that problem. More people were willing to run games than they had people who were players. Really? Yes, the first time. It was one, well, excuse me, it wasn't like a pervasive issue, but it was one day, it was like, holy crap. A lot of tables with like game masters, but no players. So then the GM's like, well, screw it then. They just kind of grouped up and picked a game to play and made the best of it. So it worked out. But yeah, actually, I'm I'm interested in not only I want to get some, like I said, the stuff I want to run done, but I I think I'm going to get in on some playing. Normally at a con, I don't have a lot of time to play because I'm running around doing other stuff. But there's no run around other stuff to do. So, yeah, might as well do that. So I'm thinking I might do that. Maybe crash one of your games under a pseudonym or something. <laughs> Who's this guy? What the hell? It's Treb? Treb Schlazensky? What? Who's what, what is this guy? What is this hmm. guy doing? Seems familiar, but... So did you get any gaming in since we talked last time? I did get some cool? gaming in. <laughs> I uh, did not get into Forbidden Lands. I had to pass that game night up. Had a family issues to deal with. Uh, heavy it. adulting. The guys went and played without me um, a particular game that uh, Harrigan whipped up, which was nice. So they it wasn't a Very complete nice. waste. I I probably could have played. I couldn't I couldn't have run. My mind wasn't in that spot to do it. Um, so I, dude, sometimes that that shit happens. And I think the cool part about a good gaming group when you're like, look, I I'm sorry. Here's the deal. You know, and it's not like you're a constant flake and you're always in out in out type of thing. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So uh did not run the Forbidden Lands game and did um run Delta Green session five on Sunday, this past Sunday. Uh, I was thinking I could wrap it up. But <clears throat> How many dead? How many died? How many died? Nobody died. I got one Ooh. person that took some pretty heavy damage, half their hit points and one fell swoop. So a little damage. They they have a plan. Um, and instead of, you know, kicking it off 15 minutes to the end of the, the kind of hour, save the plan for the next session, save the plan for the next session and see what happens. So it will end the next, next session time. regardless. If like, there is not at least one dead player character, you've gone soft. I'm just throwing it you at know, you. I haven't, I haven't had the big, um, I, I guess as the scenario kind of, presents itself i haven't had the need to to bring on the big hurt although one player character would beg to differ like i had a pickup <laughs> truck run right into the side of the car and only because he critical critically succeeded in a drive test and an alert i think he he succeeded in a drive test maybe even critical and then critically succeeded in an alertness check because he saw the pick like the alertness truck check, yeah. yeah. Alertness rolled a critical success. I'm like, all right, you see this thing just barreling down the street, and and it's That's not going to awesome. stop. So he they missed him, but they turned around and came back at him, and then uh, he I think failed a, a successful drive check at that point, and they ran right <clears> into okay. him. So, but could have been a lot worse. 
Could have been a lot, lot worse. Um, so he is hurting, but the, the plan goes on later, which should be interesting. So we'll see. I may have to just, okay, that's the end, you know, and wrap it up and yeah. kind of narrate what occurs or it genu- genuinely ends, ends. ends with smoke and fire and everything else that <laughs> is going to happen. So. In my in my excuse me, my Greyhawk game last Tuesday, the guys, um, the group, like they just blitzkrieg their way way deeper past and into things than I. I thought, oh, they'll get to Skull City, they'll around here for a while, they'll check this, check this, check this. They they got the one chunk of clues, the one cool little wall mural with this crazy blind dude drawing stuff and preaching and whatnot. They just went past anything of interest except for the goal it's one of those rare times you're like wow they were like on us on a rope just pulled them in <laughs> like holy crap so i'm like well there's gonna be a big brawl here because when they show up so the kind of the anti-paladin looking dude in the bone plate armor and it's this big fight and they kill him and move on and they start grinding through my dungeon and um i wasn't ready <laughs> like holy crap but uh, next paladin bit it. We had, had a savored eye scenario where he went up and uh, put it. There's this golem-like thing. It has his palms outstretched, this skeleton, and demands that um, you step forward to be judged to have entrance into the Black Academy, into the school. And next paladin, young and dumb and full of stuff, says, "You got it. Ah, God's damn, you judge me." Wham! Puts his hands in there, fails to save. Soul sucked completely out of his body, and he's dead. They're like. Uh, what happened? We can't. Nope, nothing. Not can't resurrect him. Can't. Um, nothing. Like, oh, can we stop here? <laughs> like, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> if they, if he had survived, I had this bad feeling they were just gonna keep bowling it. I didn't do it on purpose. He he rolled in the open in front of God, and everybody rolled a five. He rolled really crap, and he just it just killed him. But uh, he's like, you know what? That's uh, that's what Hector, his character. He's like, that's what Hector would have done. So it is what it is. What level I was, was worried. He? God, eight, eighth level, paladin. first edition AD and D paladin. Yeah, and he died. that sucks a big time. Yeah, yep. I and would rage. That, I'd, I'd flip a table over that. I think. So he went. Ah, damn. And the first thing the group, the first <laughs> oh, thing damn. the group said was, "Oh, that sucks." And Elaine looks at me and goes, it, it, "All his magic gear falls to the ground, right? We can still collect that <laughs> immediately." Like good old school guys, like. Wait a minute, we're playing an old school game, right? Good. Loot that fucking corpse. That's immediately what they did. Second move was clicked all the stuff. Wow. And Nick was a good sport. He's like, hey, don't forget I had a ring out of this, out of this, and oh yeah, and this and this. I mean, he's a paladin, doesn't have a ton of magic items, but he's like, oh, don't forget I had this stuff. So all into the bag of holding. Plus five Holy Avenger. <laughs> oh, he didn't have one of those. He did not have Plus one of those. three plate mail. They, they did find a, this horrible evil blade as a life stealer. Like, ooh, what are we going to do with that? And, uh, Alpha's character found a bag of devouring. So he uses that to get rid of bad magic items. He just like feeds the blade into it. It's like putting into a wood chipper type of thing. So he's, it's pretty fun. I am interested so back, to know. We're Brett. back at that tomorrow to see what happens. You've talked about yeah. save or die. First mm. edition AD&D is not the most forgiving at times. Yeah. So, you know, back in the day to alleviate a lot of that, it wasn't uncommon <laughs> to have plus two, plus three weapons. You know, you want to know what kind of gear they've got? Three or four rings, 
Yeah, what what are you giving them? You, got, you can give them any they big, big, up, big guns or what? Yeah, they picked up some pretty kick-ass stuff. Zave had a collection of goodies. Hmm. Uh, like plus one this, a couple of weird little rings, and he found some cool stuff. And then he picked, uh, drew the Talon card from the uh, deck of my things, and boof, all of his gear was gone. Like, oh, so we went down to nothing well, a couple sessions back. Um, let's see. They've had a flame tongue. They've had some, uh, what do we got? A cloak. We got some elven cloaks. They've got some cool gear. Yeah, you climbing. Need Boots of elven kind. Gauntlets of oh, Ogre yeah. Strength. They have a um, they have Gauntlets of Ogre Strength, and the one of the NPCs who was helping them who died has a girdle of Cloud Giant Strength. Oh, that's a good and one. And like, oh my god. Yeah. So what's yeah. that give them? Do you remember? Like a, like a 22, 23, something yeah, outrageous. That's good money. That's good money there. Oh, oh yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the paladin had it on him when he got fried. But. It's like a plus six strength, I think, oh, it gives you. Yeah, yeah. It was good. Yeah, good money. But, you know, they're still, you know, when the vampire punched the paladin and it a vampire first edition, it drains two levels up every hit. Wham! Two levels, no save. He had a scarab of life protection. It had extra charges on it. Sucked it away, sucked it away. He was down after the life stealer and the vampires had been wailing on him. He was down to like one left. But that was money because he was he's he was the gleaming paladin, so a lot of the evil stuff jumped the paladin. Um Yeah, when you're running gave... around with the bright shiny armor and <laughs> exactly. the, you know, Dirk yeah. Dirk Goot good do gooder badge. Yeah. Uh screen, they don't screen. like that yeah. stuff. <laughs> for law, for order, for Cuthbert, and then smack, smack. You know, the bad guys jump on you for that one. But it was, oh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Been a lot, a lot of fun. This weekend, we should have another big session of fifth edition. My, my, uh, my boy AJ's got that running for Ilana, um, me, and he. So that should be a good time, too. Yeah, that's about it, man. I think we ought to be ready, shall we? Oh, I did get uh, my Twilight oh. 2000 Kickstarter delivered, which I'm oh, pretty did psyched you? about. Yeah, I had the PDFs. It, the PDFs were released a while ago, but everybody's been waiting on the, the hard copies and I've seen a metal metal tin box version in the yeah. wild, and I know some of our BSers are waiting patiently for their arrivals to come. And uh, I do have an ammo box somewhere where I could probably I think I think the books may fit into it, uh, but the ammo box itself, I mean, probably weighs you know uh, what what size seven um, pounds or ten pounds. So are these the same size books as the uh, Forbidden Lands? They are not. They are full size, eight and a half by eleven. But they they're paperback, um, rule books, and then dice chits. Some maps. I don't think it'll I don't think it'll fit in a thirty cal. I think you might need a fifty cal ammo can for that. Well, don't I think know. I have a I think I have seven six two. Uh, it's gonna be too small. Yeah, it might it might be. I was yeah. I, I did have my Savage Worlds. Seven six two is the three oh eight, by the way. I think I had Savage Worlds Weird Wars in it, which was I think full size. So it might fit. <laughs> Maybe it will fit. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's been a while. I've, I've never tried to cram a game book on one of those. Yeah, I th- but I think that was the biggest game book because I had all the ammo you gave me for Benny's. I had the character sheets which could just mm-hmm. fold in there, and then I had the Savage World Explorers Edition, which is smaller. So, yeah, that was a pretty small little paperback. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see. Cool. I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily need an ammo box because I have the Foundry module that I'll probably use Foundry for it. But pretty no. stoked about about that game. I'd like to. I'm going to be interested to see what you think of when you actually get it to the table. Yeah, Tim DeShane 
is like, hey, man, I want in if you run. He's a veteran. Uh, I've considered running a veterans-only game for it, like a, a short. That, that maybe could t- be pretty. Maybe a 10-session arc. We'll see. And then. That could be pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even as a fundraiser. And then if, if there is money involved, I would I would donate it to a veterans cause. So. Yeah. Be, no, I think that's, that could be very cool, man. We'll, we'll see. That could be very cool. But I heard Roger Zagrave uh, in our in my Delta Green game might be interested because it sounds like every time I come up with a game, he's like, "I would play that. I, I would play <laughs> play that." You know, Sean, a Sean Five awesome. game, a Sean Twilight Two Thousand. Nice. So we'll see. But yeah, yeah Sean that's fans, it. that's good, man. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I appreciate it. Nothing for sure. at all. All right, let's get in a random encounter. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Random Encounter, segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. We got a short list this week, Brett. Um, one email and one voicemail. I'll read the email. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll All right, you. go ahead. We'll take the load off you. Matt Bonhoff, email list on The End is Near. <clears throat> I ran one short game where I did more than just let the players know exactly when the end of the game was. My local play group likes fate because the aspects allow players to interact with their surroundings in creative ways. I decided to take it a step further and create aspects for each scene that reflect the steps of a narrative structure. In this instance, I use Campbell's Hero's Journey as in the original Star Wars trilogy because it's so familiar. The, the three-act structure became three sessions with defined narrative beats within them. <clears throat> Excuse me. No one knew exactly uh, what from those scenes were going to take, including me as I improved everything, but everyone knew the basic structure of the story we were telling and where they were within it, which then let them push towards those ends. When we were in a scene with a quote-unquote final challenge aspect, the players could tap that aspect to get a bonus when doing appropriately finale-ish things. It was very successful and fun, but not necessarily something I want to do it again in every game. It was a good experiment. You know, man, honestly, I don't... I've only played Fate Accelerated once, but my understanding from listening to folks like yourself and other people who around me have played fate and really enjoy it, this makes sense as because it's such a writer's table feeling game with aspects and tapping this and so forth. And, you know, or I should say tapping into those different components of it. I like the way you did that, man. That sounds interesting. I don't know. I don't know if my group would, would groove on that, but I bet you for an experiment, it would be fun to try just to see how it works, you know, cause it's kind of a, my fear would be there'd be a foregone conclusion, quote unquote, you know, like everything is predetermined, but it's not. And I, I think, um, man, I like that. I, there's something, there's something really cool about this. I think this is really neat. I got to think about how the hell I would do this, but even if I didn't use fate or something like that, Sean, what do you think about this, man? It's kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, I, it is interesting, and I think it's a good way to set up the expectations that, I mean, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the Delta Green game to some degree, although with his probably more stricter approach to the, the trilogy component and the act structure that helps. Because even with the Delta Green game, it's not like that at this point, like, like four to six sessions, you know? But yeah. But I like the incentive component, right? There's something cool about this. We talked about it, again, when we did The End is Near, and part of me is like, oh, bad, bad, bad. But the more we talked about it, and when I see this from Matt, it makes me think, you know, sometimes putting a box around things, you know, saying it's going to be like this, and these are the rules of engagement. 
nothing wrong with that. That can make for a pretty wicked good time because people playing in the genre really trying to make it work, you know, accomplish goals, accomplish everything you're trying to do, but within 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 a box right. of some sort like that. I think that's kind of that's a good challenge, if nothing else. That's kind of fun. Yeah. I like that, man. Thanks, Matt. That was that's interesting. That's got me thinking quite a bit. Yeah, thanks, Matt. What's next, man? Chris Shorb has a voicemail into us. All right, so here we go. Brett and Sean, it's Chris Shorb. How you guys doing? I am listening to whatever number episode this is about organizing your game as a GM. And and this is dumb. You know, I've been playing, I've been running games since probably 1978, something like that. And I have never thought to organize my games in a way where it's like, oh, I've got NPCs here. I've got my key locations here. I've got, you know, as like, when you started reading off like all the ways people use, like they're using index cards or Notion or whatever, you know what I've always done is I've just done them like the modules that I got. I would write like every room and every encounter in a row. And I realized, and I was never satisfied with that, but I guess I just never thought that there was another way. So this call is just to say thank you, gents, for opening my mind. I think I'm going to try this Notion thing because – I, a buddy of mine at work was using Notion, and it seems like it's, like, all about bullet points, at least the way he was using it. But uh, And then Sean has just started talking about linking, and I uh, haven't finished the episode, but I'm really looking forward to hearing the rest of it. Anyways, guys, uh, once again, continuing to rock the role-playing world and uh, being a positive influence. Take care. Bye. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. I think that is, Chris has a really solid point. Like, you know, there were for the longest time when I would write down my dungeon, right? Back when I was just making dungeons, because that's what I did when I started. You'd number the rooms and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and you go through it. And that's pretty much how every dungeon is. I mean, because how how else are you going to do it? You know, especially if it's for publication. At some point it has to have an order of some kind to it. And um it can be goofy, you know, reading through a module, an adventure of some kind in room one, two are not like sequentially connected. Well, back in the day, they didn't even <clears throat> do it in a part like they did it. It almost it is almost as if they drew a big grid across the map and then did it in a, a left to right fashion. One, two, three across row one. The next row was four, five, six. So the rooms wouldn't even line up in order as if you were entering the cave. Yeah, you could read up at the beginning. You like one was always the entrance, right? So you yes. read the cave entrance. Right. And then two could be the vampire's lair at right. the end. And then three is the actual next section of the cave you'd go through. And then four was the end the secret trap in front of the vampire's lair. You're like, wait, how am I? It could bounce you around. For sure. Bit. Yeah. Now they're, and, it makes a little more sense because they'll do it based mm -hmm. on the path that you have to go through. But still, you start getting into forks in the road and then it branches off. And, you know, I think Tomb of Annihilation did a pretty good job of 
do mapping that out fairly well because of the different levels of the tomb and how it would go. You know, you'd be even in a room, it'd be like 2A, B, C, D, especially when you started getting into jail cells, which I think they did in the olden days too. But God, some of those were just terrible. Yeah. I, uh, but that's what I read. And right. That's what I knew. So I was creating based on what I knew and I didn't know any better at the time. And as you get better at it, sometimes much like Chris, you're like, huh, there's a different way to do that. Uh, if I could think about that, because it's just what I've been doing. I've been making it work all this time. It's like I, I'd never had a uh, framing nail gun before. And then I had to cool. build um, And then my basement flooded and I had to rebuild the basement. And I said, fuck that. I went out and got a cordless pass load. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. I'm yeah, like, man. oh my God, why, why do I not have a nail gun? This is, why was I doing this by hand ever? This is so dumb. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, resp- I remember, so this also reminds me of something I didn't bring up on that show, but I had written an adventure um, for the Outlands within uh, my Avalon setting. And it's a fun little adventure. Um, and at least I think it is a little exploration, some swamper goblins and no trolls and shit. <clears throat> but anyway, I in the back of it, I, I initially wanted to publish it. It never got published. But I created a flow chart that said, look, if this, then this, did the players do this, then this will probably happen. Then this could happen. At the time, I'm like, this is really helpful. And I showed it to a few people and some guys like, yeah, well, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, what do you mean you guess? Have you never had, you know, so actually it was mildly offended that people didn't think it was like really cool but then i thought about it more i'm like okay so some people don't care to think about it like that but from an adventure structure sometimes the flowchart version however you build it could be very very helpful like look i could see them going from here to here to here or when you read the adventure if it's published or pre-published um you can see where some of the decision points are and you can add some little if then flowcharty type statements for yourself just to see what would make sense. And you can change it, right? Just because you wrote it down once doesn't mean it's in stone. If you put it up there and say, well, they should go, you could go one, two, and then maybe five or three, four, or then maybe six, you know, but um, a flowchart type to break down a published adventure, I think could be very helpful. And I think it's been a while since I read my Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, but I and I don't know if they did this in Tomb of Annihilation, but it felt like some of the Watsy adventures as of late had kind of like, hey, it kind of rolls. It's meant to roll like this, like a flow. You should go in this order, which isn't to say you can't skip around as players want to do. But Watsy doesn't provide you if then statement like, oh, if they go from one to five, this is what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, even, they're, if they're supposed to cruise along and find out what the Dwargar dwar- evil dwarves are doing, but for some reason they jump right to that and they skip the find out, find out what condition is the dark dwarves, you know, plans in. I, I don't know. It doesn't tell me what, how or it could or change things up or whatever the case is. So anyway, just another thought along that line of uh, Chris, when you mentioned the published adventures, I I, th- I think that's where my head went to the flowchart concept. It just it helps me when I think about when I read Ram the Frostmaid and when I read Published Adventures. It, for whatever reason, my head I create a flowchart. If this, then how it could hop around. So anyway, it just doesn't make any sense. Adventures <sighs> like ad- writing an adventure <laughs> in a linear like right to left this way, this way, this way. You know, it, it's just it's not the way man. the adventures are going to go through it, man. 
it's wicked hard. I wrote uh, a couple of them for Avalon published sure. and it's not easy to do. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly what you I, say, right? You go to the, yeah. you know, the Curse of Strahd and they run into the Vistani, you know, depending on when you ran into them and who you've encountered before them depends on what your relationship or your, you know, the morale or, or, or the outlook upon you. And some player decided they had a bad day that day and they let, and they let a wagon on fire. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or something stupid happens or something untoward occurs. Somebody insults or does something. The options are effectively limitless. So how the hell do you structure that a, a flow chart, say, that has limitless options to, to spawn off of? Because it's not just two-dimensional. It's four, five, 18-dimensional of where they could go. It's this weird thing. It's up to the game master to remember all of it. Remember all yeah. the things of all the all sessions. All, at all the times. Like, I got a, the Lollygaggers, <laughs> man, I'm listening to them run Impossible Landscapes. I haven't even read the whole scenario. And I got to say, that Game Master is on the freaking ball. Like, he, the, I mean, they're doing it live on Twitch, and they're just porting it straight to YouTube. So it's not like they're running it, running into a problem, editing that part out, making it one flawless How's that experience. person organizing it? They just... Right now, they're top of the I have no idea how he's doing it. I don't know if he's just referencing the PDF that's in front of him. And as soon as they say, hey, I want to do this, I know he has a prolific amount of notes. Like he he said that during one of the games. He's like, I've prepped more for this session or this campaign than, you know, tons of my campaigns combined just because of all the nuances and all the details. Because it's one of those games where, and it's one of those campaigns where there is probably a lot of moving parts and you are i mean you're going to be losing your your mind and your sanity so things are it's a trippy trippy scenario well any national though tip any of the real big ones oh. where there's a shit ton of npcs Forget about it metric tons of them it's so hard yeah right my buddy lenny with his um horror neuron express there is an obscene number of people places and things you can bump into run into and deal with right and that's just the stuff they wrote down doesn't even account for player creativity to think of something the author didn't think of either right so wow yeah yeah or you get the players that write it all down and it's five journals back or 20 pages back and they forget about that and they don't go back yep. to see it and then the game master mm -hmm. they're kind of at a dead end because they can't remember that one detail then the game master's like, well, you know what? I'll do a little recap. Or, hey, you know, but the game master then has to know that. Like, they, they can't all be on the same page because if they all forget, yeah. then that detail gets lost. And they're like, <laughs> hmm, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know where, you know, where you're going to go from here. Huh. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Cool, man. Yeah, I think I'm going to do a video on Notion. I'll do a video on Notion. People can I think you should. A, a video for Notion for role-playing gamers and, and G, GMs, and then you can soak it up. And if it works for you, great. And if it doesn't, that's fine. Uh, you know, like any tool, you got to kind of do it. Otherwise, I mean, even taking Sly Flourish's template and going, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, you can use it. But if you know how it works, it just makes it so much easier. Cool, man. Yeah. Let's get I think that's it. So let's move on. Oh boy, Brett! What are we talking about this week? 
Well, when I talk about what I wanted to talk about today was maintaining tone because it's one of the hardest things. We talked about this a little bit uh, from time la, to time. La la it's, la 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 la. Yeah, see right there, you're breaking la, tone. La, la. <laughs> <laughs> right, sometimes I find that creating limits during uh, character gen options and so forth can really help enforce and maintain that through a campaign. I see you've got a couple. Um, you punted this out to a few folks. We got some feedback. So well, I'll let you, I, uh, I said we're going to talk about this tonight, and then yeah. a couple people on Twitter were like, "Hey, yeah." So, so VC Young uh, creativity with constraint. He said, uh, "Creating the character for the game is in itself a form of world building. By giving me limits, I can make a person that would or could live in that world, and through that, I can define part of the world, even if it's a small one." I thought that was pretty insightful, honestly. Making character is world building, right? You're creating a person that lives in it. You know, how that person interacts and what they do is the one of the primary antagonists. That's pretty, it's very insightful, I thought. It's well, actually good stuff. I posed it to him after he said the creati- creativity with constraint. And I mm-hmm. said, oh, you think it's creative? And he said, yes. And that's, that's how he's framed it up. And I, I thought to myself, okay, well, how, I suppose. You suppose I don't take a lot of what the players do as creative. Oh, oh I said it. Oh, why did? Why oh would you my do? God, hate mail. Sean at gamingmbs.com. Why is that not creative to you? I I do think it is to some extent. I don't think it's at near the same level as a game master. Not even close. I really don't. Tired of sitting on the fence, tired of saying depends, taking a stand. Players, stand. your creative level is just less than the Game Master, okay? I said it. It's out there forever it's on YouTubes. There. I can't delete it. Cancel yeah. me. I think you're uh, – I've never known you to be so wrong so loudly. I think there is a creative <laughs> piece to, hey, I'm going to create a, a tune. And yes. here's why, and here, and somebody will say, but Sean, the background piece is creative. They got to come up, like, you know, if you're not going to just roll on a table, or if you are, and you kind of mold mm-hmm. it into your own and your preference, there's a creative piece of that. And I go, how, sure. How you, pl- how you play it is creative. How you, pl- how you, well, yes. So no, I should, yeah. it is, and I should differentiate, like, or stipulate what I'm talking about is up until the, the the rubber hits the road, till the game actually starts, the creative process. Oh, you're talking about like building the PC creative yeah. process. If if during in the mid the midst of play, the players playing their character, you see that as creative. I do see that as so. creative because they do have to come up with creative things in order to tackle creative yep. solutions. <clears throat> so totally Correct. for sure, absolutely. Um, it's just. It's a background, class class choice, archetype choice, race choice, profession. Yeah. Right? Where you put your abilities. You don't see that as being very creative. I think it I is. Get, I, get. I think it is a it is a creative process. I don't Correct. think it's near the same level as what the game master has to do. I to think prepare can we all adventure. agree on that? That makes sense, right? Okay, so you're saying you're saying creative in so far as like pre-campaign kickoff, right? Getting ready for the campaign, getting things set, prepped, blah blah blah. Game master generally is doing more for sure. 
Got it. No okay. question. All and right. if I met a player that did more than the game master, then the game master's not doing their share. <laughs> Pass the screen. It's it's your turn, sir. Crystal oh, might yes. Crystal might say something about this because she wrote up like a three page character background for my Crazy. masks Call of Cthulhu campaign, and I didn't read much of it, and she'll crucify me for it to this day. But masks yeah, is no joke. Like no, it's not. No, it's tough. You know, yeah. All right, so we're past that. Let's see who else we got. Eric uh, said, bah, just another GM trying to exert their dominance to prevent players from having fun. Who cares about your dark, gritty, gritty fantasy tale? Want to play my half-unicorn, elf, cat, person, paladin, thief, ribbon dancer? But jokes aside, it's a good topic. I had stronger opinions on this, but I've come around to the fact that GM is curating an experience slash story. The types of characters need to fit the fantasy that's being told. Players have the option of finding games that will fit their vision as well. I had to put that last piece in there because Eric and I were going back and forth on Twitter. And when he put that on there, I knew I we I know we know Eric, so yeah, I oh, knew yeah, it yeah. was in jest. But mm. at the same time, I'm like, "Paladin, thief, ribbon dancer," and I think my response <laughs> was, uh, "Yeah, that's great, uh, but we're playing Call of Cthulhu." <laughs> yeah. like, so actually, this is that's a really good segue because what happened? <laughs> so what brought this to my to my attention? Um, Buddy of mine wants to run a Call of Cthulhu game, right? So a bunch of folks get together and make characters. And um, he ends up with um, a handful of characters that if you take a really big shoehorn, a crowbar, and um, plenty of grease, you could wedge them into that genre, that story, right? But they don't fit. They don't fit the campaign. They don't fit the world very well. They don't fit the, uh, the feeling and so forth. And I know within Call of Cthulhu and other places, um, I actually had this when I ran Delta Green. I explained where it was going to be, what it was all about, and one of my friends decided to make a character from a clandestine, if you will, military or paramilitary organization that was inappropriate, I'll just say. It, it was inappropriate for the setting and everybody else. It How? made no fucking sense. How was it in- inappropriate? It would be my question. Okay, so uh, U.S. Border Patrol is somehow when I told the United everybody, States didn't exist. No, 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 no. They were, they were, um, they were a military unit in Afghanistan. Okay. I'm like, why is us border patrol over here? This, this makes no fucking sense. Oh, us border patrol in a- I like Afghanistan. That, like, why are you in Afghanistan? It was, it wasn't even like, you know, well, hey, you're the ex- game master, ex- Brett. Shit. Yeah. Come on, man. So, make it happen, bro. Yes. Yeah, so why do I got to come up with the justification that I'm over there? Yeah. So that, I used to put up with that and I don't put up with that anymore. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. So tell my buddy, I said, Hey man, what you should do is either restart, redo, do something. But I think the mistake is if there's like, <clears throat> I use the term mistake and I, I mean, I've known the guy a long time, so I'm not being a dick about it. And he understood was if you let people just kind of have free reign through the call of Cthulhu book, like, Ooh, all these different professions. You can find a profession that could call a Cthulhu at one point that was like lion tamer or big game hunter and so on. And some of that may work depending what it is you're doing, what the particular campaign is that's going on. You can play a call of Cthulhu game without library use. You know, you don't need an antiquarian. You don't need a scholar and so forth. You could have um, all sorts of things, right? You can play Delta Green without an FBI agent. 
you can do that, right? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think the tone that oftentimes the story of the campaign, the game master, the players that everybody wants to have, and that's what I think is important when it comes to a- adding a limitation here, because sometimes we've talked about limits on PC Gen before. We're like, hey, look, it has to fit uh, the genre, the feeling, and so forth. But I think an underscoring piece in that, or maybe an under understated piece of that, better said, is the tone. If you're like, look, we're playing, you know, very serious, dark and gritty Warhammer fantasy adventure, blah, blah, blah. And somebody decides that they're going to make a Kender come hell or high water. It doesn't fit. It disrupts the tone. And every time that person is playing true to their character or doing whatever it is that they, they think that character should do, it just doesn't fit. It's this cacophonous bell. It's just cracked atonal bell. It's just going wang every time that character steps forward. And it's a mess. And I think that by doing that, it's a the character and the player, quite frankly, I think are doing a disservice not only to themselves, but to everybody else at the table by doing that. And I think if you don't know what the proper limits are, right, um, or what makes sense, or what bubble you should be in, or if the game master doesn't know how to say no, or I'm sorry, but that doesn't fit, or yeah, but, um, hmm, right? You have to have those discussions and talk that out. If you just give in, you're going to sacrifice tone at some point, right? If you want to play a serious Twilight 2000 game, and I want to play goofy Robin Williams, Good Morning Vietnam, all the goofy aspects of that movie, I want to be the funny guy, but you had this dark, gritty survival thing going. Full metal jacket. Yeah. If you want to do that, that's a little different, right? A little bit. A little bit. I am in a world <laughs> of hurt. hurt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, does this make sense to you, Sean, though? I mean, if you if you put some limits on it, and you've got to be able to, and this is one of those cases, it goes back to our saying no uh, say no topic is that I think you need to by providing those limits to the players and helping them understand that it will maintain the tone. The idea isn't to limit your creativity, right? It's a bit of creativity. As you say, Sean, it's maybe not as, um, as much work as the game master did when the game master then is coming down and they're saying, Hey, this Marvel superheroes game or this star Wars game, you know, is Age of Rebellion or this um, Cypher system game is X, Y, or Z. And you make a character that doesn't fit, right? And sometimes that's that's your own silly fault because you didn't listen or you didn't weren't paying attention. But on the other hand, sometimes we as game masters or as players, we're not asking the question or stating the answers. So one of the things I start doing when I'm more is when somebody, one of one of my guys in my game group, one of, one of the dudes says, hey, we're going to, I want to run this game. I said, okay, what are we allowing? Any limits? What don't you want me to do? I want to make sure I play within the bubble. And I say that aloud in front of everybody. When Nick wanted to run a Star Wars game, I said, are we doing Jedi? Do you not want Jedi? How do you, how do you want to structure this thing, man? Because I don't want to go and make a character who is Wolverine. I don't want to be the, like the eternal loner dude because I think it'd be wicked cool. But you have this campaign set. We're all, all going to be on spaceship and we need to act together as a cohesive team in order to survive because we're, you know, crack commandos or something. He said, ah, good questions. And he gave us the, 
the boundaries of what made sense. Like, okay, cool, man. We can do that. We all make characters in that way. And I think that's a piece where, again, if the game master isn't always forthcoming with it, we as players can step up and say, I got some ideas. However, before I go too far, do you have any limits? Do you have anything you really desperately don't want? Sometimes a game master will be foolish and say something like, no, do whatever you want. You can say, really? So you want a crack smoking Kender? Okay, well, maybe not crack smoking Kender. I mean, well, okay, let's, you know, pushing that out. All right, yeah. give me this thing. Heroin Kender, injecting Kender. That's different. Heroin injecting. Yeah, totally different. <laughs> totally different. Don't do drugs, kids. Uh, no. Or no. adults, for that matter. <clears throat> um, or especially if you're Kender. It's just terrible for that's you. That's right. Small bodies. Um yeah, it's what I'm saying. how many players, you know, there are there are a few players that will broach that. They will bring it up. I don't I don't mm-hmm. find the players bringing it up as much as the game master. The game master has a tone. They bring it to the table and say, "Look, all right, we're up playing all humans. It's all human campaign. No demi humans." All right? Good. That's the way it's going to be. All right, listen yeah. up, fellas. <laughs> listen up, ladies. <laughs> This is how it's going to roll. This is how we're going to do this. I have, um, when AJ wanted to run his Midgard campaign, I said, is there anything you don't want us to do? Yes, but you know there, that ahead of time. He, yes. You're, you're I, more there, experienced than he is. But there's no reason, though, when we're talking about players and what makes a good player and how to help players do things. If we're playing in a game and we're experienced, people listening to us, BSers we've talked to all the time, if you start playing a game in a new campaign with somebody, I think it behooves us to ask that stuff let me ask you this brett sure if you would have went to old aj in his young wise years and said hey aj i can't wait to play in midgard i'm really excited i'm gonna make a pouted thief ribbon dancer what would aj say no you think he would say no honestly oh hell yeah he's 15 yeah he'd be like no hell no (laughs) that's not He'd look at me and go, no, I no, you could be a paladin, but no. He'd put the big kibosh on Daddy Brett. Yeah. Yes, he would, absolutely. Oh yeah. well, it, me. Much respect. I w- I Reason- wouldn't think he would. I don't know. Oh fuck yeah. Good. Would Ilana? Ilana would be a little bit uh gentler about it. She'd say, Well <laughs> I guess <laughs> but she, she'd be like a lot of GMs. Well She she would she would like okay. Tell me why. Her her method would be why? Right. Right? Adrian would be like, then no, that doesn't fit. There's no, sorry. I honestly Ilana, thought it would be the opposite. Not that, Ilana I, would not be that more, I know your no, kids as well. But. I'm just saying Yolanda would be more like, tell me why. Yeah. And I think that's an important piece too. And I think both approaches are equally valid, quite frankly. And because sometimes when you get the tell me why answer, you can find out like Matt Colville did in one of his videos when a buddy of his wanted to be a certain type of character with and as an elf, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, that doesn't work. And his buddy admitted, I only wanted to do that because I could get the bonus. <laughs> because I thought the racial bonus for elf for that species was great. Uh, okay. That's, you know, from Matt's perspective, stupid reason, right? Again, we can do something else to get you that. And I talked about this before when uh, my buddy Chad, you know, Chad Knight, Chad wanted to play a character, and um, he had, we were playing Pathfinder a lot, and he had this one splat book. He's like, I really want this. I'm like, why? Well, it's really cool. I'm like, well, what's cool about it? Well, it just, it just seems different. Okay, why? And we sat down, he looked at it, he said, well, what it came down to was he had, you know, the backstab was D8 instead of D6. 
And I'm like, well, if you're worried about dishing out damage, I've mapped out a better path through Pathfinder character gen to get there. And he went, oh, well, shit, I didn't think about that. Click. And he just changed his character over. He wanted to be tougher, right? And then I get to help maintain the tone by having the conversations. Why do you want that? Right? And then finding out what the player wants. If they want to be, you know, a meth head kender in your dark ready fantasy game, or they want to be um, an escaped clown from the Barnum and Bailey circus in your Call of Cthulhu game, you're like, why? What does escaped clown have? Why are those? Why is that a phrase that you're using to describe? What are you trying to get at here? <coughs> um, and some, I mean, I've had, I've had players that just make weird. One of my buddies used to make weird-ass characters just to see if he could get them by me. Then he always had a real character next to him. He'd literally make two characters. <laughs> he made this wild, crazy fucking thing and just to see if he could slip one by me if I would just glance over it when we were had you know 13 people like players it. at the table. I like it. Yeah, sneaky bastard. Well, Harold did that to me in Curse of Strahd. He made the lizard man. And I thought, first thing I was going to do was like, hell no. But... Cooler had prevailed and just said, hey, help me understand why you're going to play this character. And he explained, and I said, all right, so it's not to min-max or some weird dynamic in that regard. No. Okay, sounds like a plan, I guess. It'll make for an interesting role for sure. I don't know if I would. Do you think you should have said no or said, yeah, I get it, but do this instead? I think the Curse of Strahd campaign is such a bad example because I I would have I, I would I get not like yeah I would I roll it. with it a, a completely different way and I would have upfront did a lot of different things that I I didn't do like you I don't know limits. a session zero and like hash that stuff out I'm saying you would have had creative creative limits if you just said look I don't want lizard men I don't want cat people I only want humans. Right. Or only humans or half elves or something. You would have, you've talked to me about that. You would have, if I had it to do over Brett, I had only done this. Yes. And I think it's funny because VC touches on it. I know you jumped on it's not as creative, but there is a component that when we as game masters, we have this campaign, we have this really cool adventure thing we want to run. It's going to be fun. Yeah, the players are going to do crazy shit. They'll be creative. They'll make up weirded things. They'll run off to study Alpha 5 when they're supposed to be on this other planet. They'll do this crazy shit. But if we allow them at from the get-go to make a character that is going to break the tone of the campaign without discussion, I'm like, well, I don't want to make them mad. I really don't want to have this discussion. I'll figure out a way to make it work. I believe we're asking for trouble yeah. because when we do, right? Because the horse is out of the barn at this point, right? It's gone. You're going to be you the know, game master yeah. that kills the character just because you don't want him in your game and you didn't address it in the beginning. Which right. is, I've heard horror stories that game master like you're dead. What are you talking about? Uh, uh, just you, rock falls out of the sky, crushes your skull. Everybody you're, dies. You're dead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Well, why? Because yeah. I didn't want elves in my game, and you you wrote up an elf, and you're breaking my game. Like, wh yeah. what? Hey, hold on a second. If you, why'd you fucking tell me, dude? Yeah. 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 But honestly, I think that's only, it's this, as VC said, it, it is, I love the I love the fact that he said it, because it's, it's part of world building, right? And well, the, the game world's going to happen. 
what I'm doing here from a world building perspective is these are the antagonists. These are the main characters of the story, right? This is what's going on. These player characters, the ones who are going to do all the cool stuff that the we're going to follow their, their tales. Protagonists. Protagonist. Sorry, I said antagonist. Yeah. I'm so antagonistic. That's my problem. The protagonist. <laughs> so these guys are making protagonists. God, I wanted to do that. Anyway, point being, we're going to follow these protagonist tales. And if we allow the protagonist to not be to type or not be within the tone, it's going to be hard. Now, you can, of course, run an atonal campaign where it could be that slapstick meets Cthulhu, some weird humor things. There's ways to break, twist, and and mold. But even that is a tone of its own, right? You're like, look, we're going to do this a little weird or whatever it is. But I think those limits, because to VC's point, you know, it's a small piece, but that piece is the lens at which that player will interact and see and do everything in the world that the game master built, that the rest of the players are building with them, and all this is going down, and everyone else is, it, you know, if everyone's doing this thing and this one player has a character that just, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work with the tone, right? Sometimes that shit can be changed too. You can have a piece. And I think the other component of it is when you notice a tone problem with the way the character has been made or, or how it fits is having the discussion with a player. And sometimes it's a matter of you need to remake a character. That's a very basic one. Like, look, that just doesn't fit. The other one is like, we could make an adjustment what could we do to this character to retcon them a little bit? What could we do to this character to change him up a touch so that they would fit the game better? They, there something they would fit my here? story better, VC. Yeah, my, my, my story. story. My story. Not yeah, yours. Right. It's mine. Mine. The one I'm going to convey to you. Tell. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, so sit down and buckle <laughs> <Right>. up. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, though? You can have that conversation. I do. And as a matter of I, I think it. Oh, sorry, go. I was going to say to go to go in favor of VC and say, yeah, his point is not only valid, but it, it should have far reaching impact on the game and the campaign is when he specifically says, um, by giving me limits, I can make a person that would or could live probably by removing the limits is what he meant. I can make a yep. person that would or could live in that world. And through that, I can define part of the world, which is great. Like, for example, yes. in the Forbidden Lands game, if the crew says, I'm from this village, and I just, you can make up the village. It's irrelevant to like the grand scheme of things. It's whether it exists or does not exist is not like this it's not this conundrum in the game like oh what am i gonna do they they made up a village you know yeah. and, and you list of every village because we don't choose a predetermined village yet right but i'm saying an unpublished village name going yes. to that point if you have a player and a, through that player character they are helping you uh gr like flesh out your world then great absolutely, absolutely. Yep. then i'm like yes Players, awesome, great, more creativity. I appreciate it, love it. Feedback, awesome. And I'm a player. Like, I'm just as guilty as some people out there where it's like, all right, we're going to play Cyberpunk Red and I'm going to create this character and this is what they're going to be. And yeah. And then I got these connections. All right, GM, <laughs> go. What do I, let's yeah. go. What, what's. 
Now, depending what it is you're doing, um, so this is, I, I don't want to lose this piece. So Eric, um, Eric in his comment here was talking about the GM is curating an, extor- an experience slash story. You know, it, it's a piece of trying to curate this experience for everybody, myself included as game master. And <clears throat> have the, the other thing I think that's important that he mentions here is that if you are dead set on playing a certain type of character and I'm like, hey, it doesn't fit here. And you're like, yeah, but I'm really not going to give ground. I don't want to do this. Then you need to just say, okay, I'll, I'll catch you on the next game. You know, you need to not play there. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's I think that's important. You know, you can find another game that fits or whatever it is. No. I know some folks who no. only like, no, no, you no, you just this is my game. Gr- this and- is my game group. We're buddies. Like we got to make this all come together. Like uh, who else am I going to play with? Yeah, there's no, you know, if we only have some kind of worldwide web of uh, interconnected <laughs> computers so we can find people, some sort of an engine for searching, like you could plug it in. Yeah. But there are tons of players that don't want to play with anybody else. Like, why is the reason you don't want to play D&D? My group, my group plays D&D. I don't know who yep. else I would play with. I can't, I, I can't play with anybody else. That's what my friends play. Like, I understand. I understand. What? What? Seriously? What? Like you go to? I don't know how to. Honestly, like you go to college. Do you like? Hey, the world is opening up to you. You know, nobody. You can reinvent yourself. You're you're taking on new experiences and exploring lots of different things. Like, where does that get lost? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't have. Come on. I can't. I can't answer all those, brother. My mom and dad live in the dorm room next to me. Like, what the hell? Like, come on, man. It's okay, kids. You can you can meet other people. But I, I think, but to both of their points and to what you've been saying is, if you make that character that fits, so like, um, I know you said Curse of is a bad example, but let's let's take a look at like the Lizard Man piece. You're like, okay, fine. You're like, all right, so cool. Now, two, three sessions, even sometimes. My experience has been, I can usually tell by session two if the character I was questioning at the beginning is or isn't going to work because. I'm paying extra attention to see how this is flowing. And the other piece is that even if you don't think you're actually paying extra attention, it will ring like that horrible cracked bell every time it doesn't fit. This, 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 this. Well, I can't go on that. Why? Well, it doesn't have room for my tail. Fuck, that's right. You're a lizard, man. Right? If it does, it. well, I I can't do that because I'm 18 feet tall and, you know, I'm an albino alligator person. Ah, fuck, that's right. You're the mighty right, Goliath. So, yeah, yeah, the popular you, you Goliath into, race. Yeah, yeah, you walk into the town and the halflings run screaming from you because you're a big fucking monster. Oh, Jesus. I'm eight feet tall. Um, yeah. So, again, depending... How do I say this? So, when you had that character, you could have... And I'm not... So, this isn't like... This isn't banging on you, Sean. But, I mean, part of it is like... you On that character, I would almost hazard to say... Like, look, you know, talking to the player saying the lizard man thing is just not working, dude. We can change characters. I could have something in game change you physically. And then we could build a story here because it's gothic horror. I mean, I could have, you know, there could be an alchemical change. You could get cursed. There could be all sorts of things because, you know, whatever piece of that character is causing the problem. And sometimes it comes down to, Things like, look, it's not just the look of the lizard person. It's not just the physical component of it. It's the nature of the character, what they're trying to do, how you've built them, 
all the stuff that's wrapped in the character, right? Because again, sometimes it's like people are picking picking things based on what they think are cool look and feel. Sometimes people pick stuff on what they think are cool bonuses, right? I go through back in my GURPS days, you know, if the game master didn't tell you what you couldn't take, oh. you'd end up with a shit ton of cinematic stuff like impossible to kill and this, this, fool. and this. Brett is a fool. Yeah, exactly. He gave me the exactly. whole guide to use. Woo! Yeah, exactly. We're going to eat everything. And you don't want to come through and, and be as, as petty per se and say, look, I don't like the way your character looks, so you need to change that. It just that seems stupid, right? <laughs> it just seems dumb. It's so petty and childish. But when the character itself overall just doesn't fit the tone, right? So you've got a character who is a he's from a three ring circus, and she's a um, she's a lion tamer, um, and has a pet monkey. Great, that's that's a wonderful character, but that's not going to work in you know this master of the North Otep campaign. I can Why get not? it to work. Can't, can't, get, I, I'm a game master. I get it to work. I'm flexible. Yeah. You you can if you want to. I could I can I can handle anything. Handle anything. <laughs> yeah. Which is where all this gray hair comes from. You see this? This is from trying to handle everything from the players. <laughs> I know you're talking about Call Cthulhu and the three ring circus woman lion tamer yeah. monkey. Yeah. With with Harold, I mean, I talked to him and his whole thing was gonna be about disguise. And he was going to have this magic spell that was like disguise self. The only thing is that I was talking to Brett about it, how that it may not be interpreted as flawlessly as he thought, right? Because there was like, yes, you yeah, could, it could change yeah. elements of a person's body, but it doesn't change the form of it. So it's like, great, if you're a human and you're disguising yourself as another human. But if you're a lizard person, you, there's the snout and tail you have to get around. So regardless... One of the things that I was going to tackle with Harold specifically is I would just have people look at him and say, he's been cursed. He is. Yeah. See, that would, that would work. Absolutely. So, you know, there you go. The hags, I think, the hags got him. He's the witches. They cursed him. He must've done something very foul and he's a foul person. Well, guess what, buddy? You're going to have to live with that in the whole campaign, wherever you go. Like if they recognize you as a lizard guy and there's no lizard people around, there's got to be a logical explanation. And it's because you were cursed by the witches. And see, I like that's that, that level cool. of, I think that level of creativity is awesome, dude. And that's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a good kind of a final piece here to go at is that you can come up with a really creative thing and say, okay, cool. You really want this thing. We can do it. But be aware this, 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 this. There's this litany of stuff that you're going to have to deal with. You cool with that? Because I don't want to make you do, I don't want to be a dick here. But this is what's going to happen if you play this character in this setting. And sometimes the player's eyes light up like, oh, yeah. Right. Bring on the challenges. You talking about what are we talking about? More disadvantages? Bring on the disadvantages. Yeah. I want to be I want to be, you know, it's just disadvantage as possible. I want to be, and that's awesome. Like, great. You want to do that? Perfectly fine. You want to be the, you know, big cat tamer with a pet monkey and the master Nalothotep in the desert. Great. You're gonna be out of your elements, blah, blah, blah. You're like, yep, totally fine. I I want that experience. Okay, cool. That's great. And I think where the clash comes in, quite frankly, is when the conversation doesn't happen. And again, this goes back to your session zero, that regular grown up, you know, at least quasi adultish conversations we try to have with each other is uh, like, hey, you're kind of breaking the tone. 
right? Yeah, but I really want to, and here's why. Well, it's not like the tone hammer is just going to wail on you, but remember, the tone is a thing that I need to maintain, and one way to maintain that is that this thing about your character that is atonal, it's weird, it's off, it's going to have a negative impact in you and or on you in some way, or you you might be an outsider from a skills perspective, not even just the look and feel of the character, right? You might not have the right skills. Your character may well feel literally outside. Like they, they just, they don't know anything about this because you're not in a, you're not taming big cats and you have nothing to do with monkeys and your jungle survival skills are of no use in the desert. Um, but you're like, look, I don't care. I don't care. I, I want to do this. I think this would be great. And I, that's, that's wonderful. And I think at the tail end of the Sean, the biggest piece is that it's hard to maintain tone. And when you see something as players or as characters, when we see something that's threatening to crack that in some way, we need to have the conversation, say, why are we doing it? Will it work? Can we make it work? What if we change something? Could we make a modification? Or are you willing to deal with X consequences or knock on effects of this break in tone? And if everybody's like, yeah, thumbs up, let's, let's rock with this you're solved. Right. And sometimes the answer is, you know what? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I uh, didn't think about that much for my dragonborn. I really, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think that'll work. I don't think my dragonborn should have that kind of background. I think I should do something a little bit different because it just doesn't, doesn't sing. Right. It, sh- it shouldn't, it doesn't work like that. So I'm going to change it. You're right. But I really like this one piece, you know, and then again, the conversation goes and you can help people do it. Cause as VC said, it's, it's a creative endeavor. And you're trying to create the lens that you as the player will view the world and how the rest of the world will view, will view your character and it will interact with and so on. So it's it's important. And I think um, set those limits out there as game masters and players. If you don't see the limits, ask for them. And it might and if the uh, game master hadn't thought about it, it might stir a good conversation if nothing else. So how's that, Sean? You like that? All good? Fantastic, All right, man. Thumbs Two thumbs up. So let us know what you guys think, what you folks think, I should say. So there's lots of ups and downs. And as I said, it's not it's not about, you know, harshing somebody's fun or trying to wreck something. It's just about how, you know, maintaining the tone together and how we want to deal with it. But let us know what you've done that's worked. If you've you got a horror story, horror story is always fun, <laughs> right, to listen to because it's someone else's pain. Uh, but if you've got some good ways or tools that you've done to kind of um, enforce or influence or help deal with this stuff, let us know. It's always good to hear about Shall we? Die yeah, roll? die roll. Let's move. Let's move on. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to share with you. This week we've got one, two, three, four, five. First one on the list, Bretster. Did my plane? Welcome to the Pathfinder Nexus. So, demi plane has Adam. Adam's name always escapes me, but he was this one of the founders of D&D Beyond. Now he's oh, okay. the CDO, which is probably chief development officer at Demiplane, and they partnered up with Paizo to bring Pathfinder Nexus. The official digital tool set for Pathfinder is on the way. Create an account and dive into the free Pathfinder Primer or pre-order the additional Pathfinder books. Nice. 
So somebody would say this is the D&D Beyond for Pathfinder. I'm sure Pathfinder and Paizo loves that analogy or that comparison. Oh, how, how could, yeah. I mean, right. <laughs> nothing like telling somebody, oh, I see you're finally catching up to your biggest competitor. <laughs> all right, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. That's, that's not what no one uh, no likes to hear. So Sean's, the cool thing, though. Yeah, go ahead, Brad. Go. No, I was going to say the cool thing, though, is that if they learn from any other mistakes, they can make a pretty kick-ass platform. Indeed. Right. Yeah. If they don't, if they, um, I think Paizo has done a good job with Pathfinder in they kind of let other things happen and go, huh, I'm going to snag this thing or fix this and this and this. Right. So anyway, what were you going to say before I rudely jumped on you? So my uh, thoughts are this is just the beginning of Demiplane doing it for multiple RPGs. So demo, if you'll notice on the site and you go to the top where it says Nexus and you hit that drop down, it says select your Nexus and it says Pathfinder. I have a feeling there's going to be other game systems that go along that top and they will be, Has to be. the digital online resource for all the different kinds of publishers that want to sign on as long as they can negotiate licensing and all that other financial stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I because like it. somebody is saying, hey, you know, got to have a digital presence and you guys can't afford it. So I'll do it and then you can just pay me. Well, in the uh, in many industries, we ask ourselves, why are we doing this? Is this our core competency? What do we do for a living? We sell this product. Does that product have anything to do with call centers? Well, a call center support. Yeah, hang on. The call center is handy and all, but do I need to own the technology for the call center or should I own the technology that produces the product where the actual money's made? Oh, yeah. What can we out? What can we outsource to a different company that does this really well? Who can we partner with? Right. And this totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Let, P- let Paizo create the IP, the cool shit that everybody wants to play and let Demiplane handle the IT end of it. So smart. Right. Next one. Numenera again hits the bundle, the the humble bundle. This may be a little different than what they have. I think I've gotten in on one of these bundles. I'm not sure I have all of these books. I might. It may be the same bundle, Um, but it's a beast. If you want to check out Numenera, I mean, this is holy crap. Almost, we, yeah, you're not kidding. They've put out. Um, and proceeds go to Oceana. Protecting the world's oceans. So lots of PDFs yeah. of, of Numenera yeah. and Cypher. There's an 8, 17, and 28 item bundle out there. Holy crap. A lot of goodies. Yep. Okay. Right and next. then the next one is Tracy and Laura Hickman are back in action. And they have Sky Raiders of Aberax. 5e world from Tracy and Laura Hickman. The creators of Ravenloft. And I, yeah, I think Pharaoh Tracy might have been. I don't know if he they both did it. But one thing about this, and it's it's funded at three hundred and one thousand dollars, and it's got two weeks to go yet. One thing that is interesting about this particular product is that it does have a mobile app that has like a changing, like based on the results that happen in your campaign, the map and some of the things change. So from the demo video, I thought they were like hovering this app over the map and then different things would appear on the app dynamically. Huh. 
So just imagine Interesting. if yeah, if the player characters, you know, raised the village and then you took your little app and went across the map, that village might be gone or in flames. I don't know. So Wow. Yeah. That looks kinda of, Yeah, that that's the interesting thing about this one is the um the interactive app component. Yes. The living tone system, you know, has like read around read aloud, excuse me. Secret do not share, choose player. Oh wow. Yeah. Cool stuff. Neat. Yeah. So check that out from the Hickmans. Um Traveler Bundle. Bundle of Holding this time, not Humble Bundle, but Bundle of Holding. So if you like Traveler or are intrigued by Traveler, this is the classic Traveler stuff. Um, there's a lot of books. You get the classic, the five, right? Here's the classic five books. So you get all your Traveler stuff on and get that. And then proceeds go to fighting the pandemic to direct relief. Nice. So there's the, for even if you're not a traveler fan and you want to get into it, there's a good bundle to get into. And then lastly, but not leastly, brought this up on Saturday during my live stream. Coming soon, 40th anniversary Keeper Tips book, Collected Wisdom for Call of Cthulhu. So this is an anthology, lots of different authors. I will probably pick it up. These guys are just putting out sexy looking books. Just my, just they just want my money. That's what they do. That's what they're doing. Yeah. So now you're in Jesus, it for the leather bound keeper edition, <laughs> and this one, and then you did. You, actually, I've avoided the leather bound keeper so far, but well, it's going to happen. It's, it's gonna not going to be. You're not be ducking it long. No, it can't be. Once it starts gonna, appearing in people's hands, like mine, yeah. maybe. I'll show it to oh, Brett. Well, I can't. Well, I can't let you do no, that. No, oh, I can't. All right, all right, fine, fine, fine. So. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So keeper tips. I'm interested in in listen in hearing or listen listening or hearing reading this one and absorbing it for Call of Cthulhu keepers. Uh, giving always interested in the GM advice stuff to see how it all stacks up. But that's all we have for this week. Cool. Cool. What are we talking about next week, Brett? Do we know? Yeah. On your um. A little side project. We uh, one one of the folks you're talking with was uh, chatting about the multiple expectations, desires at the table, right? Different styles of play. Sometimes you know that person who, kind of in the spirit of the saber die conversation, like, hey, I don't care if my character dies. Somebody else is like, hey, don't kill my character unless it's you know thematically correct. And somebody else who's this different approach. Like, what the heck do you do with that? Um, I think I'm fortunate. I've had a number of that at my table, different people, different approaches and so forth. So hopefully we can throw some of that out there because I don't think it's uncommon. I think it is very common um, to have multiple divergent expectations and desires at the table for how, how the characters should treat or and all that stuff. And um, I think it's less common to have everybody buy in on all the different bits and pieces and <laughs> only have one style of player type of thing. So we shall see what we shall see. Yeah, excellent. So that concludes this episode of Gaming NBS. If you've found even just this amount of value, give us a like. Make sure you subscribe here on the YouTubes. Thanks for folks that have joined us for the live recording in the chat. Good to see everyone. Hope you're all doing well. Otherwise, you can pick this up at the Podcatcher of Choice for our audio flagship show. And uh, yeah, subscribe there. Otherwise, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game at all. 
This episode of Gaming BS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Mirko Froehlich, Pierre Mongrel, Brett Bozinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, Victor Wyatt, Craig Huber, Roger Braslett, Stefan Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Schoozer Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleyman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Laramie Wall, Erica Villa, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Maurice, Niall Diamond, Aaron Ralea, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Cole Kago, Eric Tavola, Hus Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Hesh Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Larry Hollis, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shore, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Fornak, Marty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, Craig Chunglo, Eric Lunsford, Ty Prunty, Feeling Good Lewis, Ziga Paradzik, Nick Westbrook, John Mahoney, Crystal Eggstead, Zolea, and Barry Fergus! ABSers, thanks for all the support over all this time. We really appreciate it. Hey, don't forget BSercon. It's coming up in January. Head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash BSercon. That's B S E R C O N. Make sure you buy a badge, that'll allow you to register for events. We're also taking event submissions. There's concerns about having too many game masters. Can you believe that? Anyways, head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash BSRCon. Participate. It's January 28th to the 30th, virtually online. Thanks, BSRs! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.